everybody. Welcome to the Philo Podcast. Is it time to return to normal yet? Oh my goodness, crazy times in our world. Thanks for being such a downer, Elliot. Anyway, you know what? Many of us are still in limbo and maybe your job looks nothing like it did at the beginning of the year. Actually, now that I'm saying it, probably not a maybe. Your job is different. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it stretched you to become the type of technical artist that God had in mind for you. However, maybe it's pushed you further away from being the person you were created to be. And wherever you fall on that spectrum, it's time for change. It's time to stop waiting for things to get back to normal and figure out what the new thing is that can happen. And you know what? Even as I think about that, the new thing idea, uh, in Isaiah 42, verses 18 and 19, God is talking to the prophet Isaiah and he says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know what? This is a challenging time for us all, but I believe that God's calling us above all of it to something new. And really the question is, what's it going to be for you? I want to encourage you not to waste this moment to see what that new thing is that God had in mind for you. Figure it out now. One thing I would say for sure, now that whatever normal we are now in, take advantage of the fact that maybe you figured it out for the moment and that you should make space for yourself. I mean, you've been kicking it out basically without stop since March. It's important to use this time to reconnect with your family, enjoy the summer. You know what, fall kickoff, it's not gonna slow down. It's only gonna get crazier and it's coming. So don't let another day go by before you invest in yourself and in your family. The church, you know, they've probably gotten enough of you in the last 100 plus days. So invest in yourself and your family. All right, just a quick update on the newest Philo resource. The Philo book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, it's out. And I spent a couple days last week recording myself, reading it out loud so that we could release an audiobook version. And there are a couple things I love about audiobooks. One is I listen to a lot of them mostly because I can leverage my commute by you know, filling my mind with great stuff. And also, I love it when the author reads their own book, except in my own case, reading this book was, yeah, it was not easy. It was, it was tough. But I know how much I appreciate somebody reading their own stories, talking about their own experiences. I think that's important. If you're an auditory learner, you know, we're working on getting this audiobook out and available to you. And I'm probably biased, but I feel like it's a great conversation starter with your production team. It's a chance to talk about things that matter and what it means to be an artist and how best to work with your fellow artists to make the best service you possibly can. So you can go to Amazon, search for I Love Jesus But I Hate Christmas. Don't buy the t-shirts. I mean, they're kind of nearby there. They say different things than that on it. Anyway, you can uh, get the book there, pick up some copies for you and your team. In my opinion, there's no better time to talk about values with your team, production values, how to collaborate, how to lead, than when you're kicking off a ministry season. So the book, yeah, it's full of all that stuff. And I wish I knew a lot of this when I was first starting out as a technical director in the local church, but here it is for you now, ready to go. And you know, just so you know, the goal for this book isn't to make a gazillion bucks uh, because I don't think you can do that writing a book, but it's all about helping make you 
the technical artist in the local church more effective so that your church can be more effective, which is pretty much what drives everything we do here at Philo, including this podcast. Okay, speaking of the podcast, today my guest is Trace Kozet. He is the systems engineering manager for Yamaha Nexo. And not only has he been an amazing friend to Philo over the years as a sponsor and just as a cool guy, but he used to be a technical director of a local church in Maryland. And we got to talk about all of it, Yamaha, his church experience, Nexo, all of it. So let's check it out. I'm super excited to be welcoming a friend of mine from Yamaha, Trace Kozad. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here with you. Yeah. Trace and I, uh, we probably met just through Philo, just unless I'm mistaken. Yamaha has been a big time sponsor for for the Philo conference. And you've kind of been the point person for Yamaha for the last several years. And so, yeah, running that circle together. Does that sound right? How we met? Yeah. Yeah. I think I actually knew of you or uh, kind of was introduced to you and what you did through Willow through the Global Leadership Summit um, you know, oh, right. many years ago. 2006, 2007, uh, just because I was working at a, a satellite church back when we were doing, you know, uh, satellite feeds and DVR recordings. And and so I was the local technical director for that stuff. So that's oh, probably nice. the first so time I knew of you, but didn't didn't know you. So Yeah, right. So the cowbell, that was the my big claim to fame was yes. making sure the audio video sync was working. So. Yes. Yes. I watched a lot of that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I have to say, was not uh, disappointed to stop doing that. <laughs> that was, it's so awkward. You just, you want to get it, make it interesting, but no, you have to just keep it, keep a steady beat. Anyway. Well, and I was in my teens back then and I was still in high school, but I was the Chicago time technical director on the West Coast. So I was waking up at like three in the morning to get stuff set up. <laughs> so I was pretty glad to be done doing them as well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, interesting. Uh, I think when this is airing, this podcast, they've decided for the Global Leadership Summit not to do satellite for the first time. So, oh wow, just because of people not being able to gather together because of COVID. Yeah, they're just changing it up totally. Anyway, uh, that's a whole nother podcast, I suppose. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about your history? So you're at Yamaha now, maybe. So tell us yeah. what you do there, and then maybe we rewind and figure out like, how did you end up there? Yeah, so at Yamaha, I served the role of uh, system engineering manager. So basically what that means now is I wear two hats a little bit. I manage our system design engineers and our applications engineers. So our system design guys, they support consultants, system integrators, uh, churches with design support. So if they're looking to update their sanctuary or, or build a new building, um, whether it's a commercial space, a, a school space, uh, I manage the team of three guys that that help us with our designs on that level. And they are really product experts. So they can look at a system okay. as a whole and figure those things out. Our applications engineers, those guys, I, I wear one of those hats. And then we've also got another one, Kevin Kimmel, who's our console systems application engineer. And we focus on specific products and then those applications. So Kevin does our consoles and I do our Nexo or, or large performance systems. So okay. I'm kind of in charge of our large PA um, when it comes to demos and applications. So if your church needs a demo, I'm probably the one that's going to bring it out um, with a couple extra hands. Actually, hearing the name Kevin Kimmel and Nexo and large consoles, 
Uh, this is just a, a side note. So I was the production manager for Willow Creek's 40th anniversary, which we did at the United Center, yeah, which is where the Chicago Bulls play. And we it was all Nexo. I think it was the largest Nexo PA ever flown in North America. And we were the one of the first to use the PM10 console uh, at an event. So that was uh, those two things were quite fun. That was a little before my time, but I really wish that I was at Yamaha during that time because a lot of guys have great stories from that event and really enjoying <laughs> enjoying doing that event because it was, I think, one of the very first Ravage experiences in the United States for that console it was kind of the debut. And now that we've got that whole family of consoles now and put it in a price point that's great for churches, it's it's an exciting time to be at the company. But that would have been a great landmark to be at. And I just, yeah, I was at a church at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't working for yeah. Yamaha yet, but I, I definitely would have been there if, if I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was. Uh, I like to sleep, so this is just something that maybe you didn't think you would learn about me. But uh, I love to sleep. I don't like to stay up all night. I never pulled all nighters in college. I just I'm. I like to sleep, and so when we were coming up on the 40th anniversary, it was basically start loading at midnight on Sunday morning, load in, do the event, and load out, and we finished at 1 a.m. Monday morning. So it was basically 25 hours. And I was like, I'm not sure I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I've never done that before. I think I slept for five minutes. Once the program was going, I kind of sat down and that was like the kiss of death. I fell asleep for five minutes. Um, you get your anyway. own green room with a, with a bed in it so you can take your naps <laughs> right. halfway through. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, that was a fun experience and even sort of you know, when I sort of asked the question, hey, how about, how's that new console coming? You think you want to let us be the first to use it? Yeah, that was fun. And uh, just it was a great time for the audio guys that were like going to be running it to sit down with the console and with Kevin and kind of work it all out. And um, that was that was a good memory. I was at a church during that time. So um, you kind of asked about my background. I'll, I'll go a little deeper in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I come from the house of worship world more than anything else. I started at 14 at a church, didn't know the Lord at all, but um, was invited by a few friends to come to, um, just to come to student ministry basically. And yeah. I came pretty with a hardened heart. But then when I walked in, I, I kind of looked at the production thought it was cool. And then, over the next few months, got to a place where I thought I could do it better than the people who were doing it. And little <laughs> like did most I know, tech people, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, little did I know how wrong I was and how much I had to learn. But it was really interesting. It was kind of the first experience I had with lighting, sound, slides, all of that. And I started running lighting more than anything, and then sound soon followed. And then I kind of just kind of stuck. Uh, I stayed on the sound side, um, and then by you know, 15, I was offered a job at the church oh, and wow. the church was a pretty large church. They had just finished building, you know, a sanctuary that was based off of the Willow Creek design. It was just a little oh, wow. bit smaller. Okay. So we always called ourselves a, a mini Willow because yeah. that's kind of what Which the I would, goal was. I would recommend a little smaller. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, 7,200 seats is like... Oh, yes. <laughs> so we didn't even end up finishing our balcony out, but there was still, I think, 1,700 seats in the auditorium on the floor. Um, and then another balcony that was supposed to fit seven or 800, I think is what it was. It was, a, it was a while ago. But we went, you know, PM1D because that's what Willow had. At the yeah. time we had <laughs> another PA system in there. It's Nexo now. 
Mm-hmm. But um, we kind of just followed the roots of Willow on, on some of the production gear. Uh, so by 15, I was running the 1D every few weeks, wow. which was a huge jump up from an analog console, but a great learning experience. So through that, you know, I was... I actually got let go in a budget cut in, in 2007, 2008, the week of Global Leadership Summit. Oh, wow. So, uh, but the, but <laughs> the, Lord actually, yeah, the Lord actually opened the door for me because I was supposed to be the TD for that, but instead got a phone call from a band. Hey, do you want to go on tour? Oh, wow. So I ended up touring for three and a half years uh, with a couple different Christian bands. Okay. And leading worship at churches all over the United States. So wow. I gained a great amount of knowledge just based upon walking into a new facility basically every day, 250 dates a year and learning their facility. So it's um, amazing too. Like the, I learned this after leaving working at a church was the, like there's production in the church. It has a certain set of challenges, but then the touring side, I mean, you're using a lot of the same gear, but in a totally different way, you know, just like that walking in and, and doing it, you know, setting it up differently each night potentially. And there, for a lot of the shows, we were pretty small to, you know, it was mostly van tours. So we were bringing our own gear most of the time, but we'd go into a facility that was bigger than what we had gear for. So we'd be using their, their rigs. And so just learning how to adapt to your surroundings was something that I gained a lot of knowledge on and, and looked at in a different light based upon my, my touring days. And, sure. and that was really enjoyable. I learned a lot from it. I don't know if I, I'd go back to not sleeping. <laughs> touring in a van, yeah. Just like, just I like would you. definitely not do well, yeah. <laughs> just like you, I like to sleep. So uh, I'd prefer to have a bed every night. But yeah, so I did that for three years and then jumped into basically being a, a technical director at a church at, back home in Oregon. Okay. I loved that world. I loved that church. I would have stayed there for a long time. Mm-hmm. The most fortunate, unfortunate part of it is while on the road, I, I met my now wife. So um, I knew that time at the church would be short-lived because she lived across the country. So okay. I spent some time at that church, gained some great relationships that I still have there, and then moved across the country on another calling of the Lord, really, because her church in Maryland was looking for a technical director. And I oh, wow. had just let the church know that I was giving them six months notice. I'm going to leave to go move across the country. So I okay. had no plans yet. I had just quit six months notice and then got a phone call. Hey, would you be willing to come out and interview for this technical director position <laughs> at her church? Yeah, right. So I worked there for five and a half years. Oh, wow. And, and loved that a lot and then just had the opportunity to switch over to Yamaha and and jumped on it. You know, I I had put a lot of Yamaha products in at the church. So I knew the product line pretty well and applied for the position on a whim, not expecting to get it. And then got a phone call back that I didn't expect I was going to get. So (laughs) it was a, it was definitely a great opportunity to kind of pivot a little bit and figure out how to help churches in a different way. Sure. Yeah. And so how long have you been with Yamaha? So I started Yamaha in 2017. So February of 2017. So it'll okay. be however many years that is now. <laughs> I don't, it feels I think, like forever now. Yeah. Um, well, that would be three, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, just past the three years. Just mark. past the three yeah. year mark. Nice. And I've held a few different positions at Yamaha in those three years. Um, and all of them have been great. 
but uh-huh. I started on the CIS side, so commercial installation solutions, which is our okay. 70 volt commercial install lines, which is sure. probably one of the most underutilized systems in the church world, I think, sure. today. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things we were going to talk about today was multi-use space. And sort of like just even talking about 70 volt, that's the first thing I thought of is that there are so many applications. So when we think about gear for the local church, most of us think about it in terms of the big room and the, you know, the main auditorium or the main sanctuary, whatever. And there are all these other spaces that require technology that are less exciting and uh, maybe down the list of ways we want to spend money. But nonetheless, ministry is happening in those spaces and we need to figure out how to do them. And so, yeah, 70 volt uh, just kind of yeah, it's a, that's teed up the idea. The When I started at Bay Area Community Church, it's the church I worked at just before Yamaha here in Annapolis. And um, okay. it's a great church. And at the time when I started, it was growing at you know, just over 18% a year. And it was not a church facility that was, you know, it had a a long-term plan, but it was a gymnatorium and (laughs) it was 880 people on the floor of a gym. Seats were struck every week kind of thing used as a gym. So we had what we would consider a multi-use space. Okay. Soon after getting in there, I realized that the auditorium wasn't the only multi-use space we had. Uh-huh. And I had to kind of change my my definition of what a multi-use space really was and how to support them. Uh-huh. I just had to look at it a little differently because the children's ministry spaces were used by the women's ministry or the senior ministry or the grieving ministry pretty much nightly. And right. it was almost all after hours stuff where I wasn't there to support those ministries. And I didn't, coming in, I didn't have a very large tech team. So I couldn't provide these spaces with, with volunteers very regularly at all. So I kind of had to shift a little bit. Um, I I mean, you, you've been at Willow. How many student or children's ministry spaces did they have that (laughs) needed AV during the week? Yeah. I mean, I think there are probably, I was going to say 15, it could be up to 20 rooms that you in order to do any kind of meeting, if you want to play a DVD or a VHS tape or a, have a microphone, yeah, it's like 20 rooms. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we, we had probably 10 or 15 children's ministry spaces that were all doubled as something. Our, you know, our women's ministry, the first year I was there, it was about 100 people. In two years, it was 280 people. So they would try and do small groups after their uh, gathering on Wednesdays. And we would literally have them in every corner of the church, the church lobby, the coffee area, (laughs) every, but, but some of them would need AV for their small groups. And, you know, it was just, how do we provide a good experience for all of these people and be as distraction free as possible? So I learned about Dante pretty early. Yamaha did a deal uh, a while back that, now working there, I, I realized that they, they sold a lot of CLs by doing the trade-in, trade-up deal with your M7 for a CL. Right. From, from what I've heard, a little bit of a headache for the manufacturer side because they had a bunch of M7s that were in the warehouse <laughs> after because so many people took advantage of it. I was one of those people. Uh, uh-huh. So I jumped onto Dante really quick, um, mostly because the biggest issue I had for Sunday gatherings was holidays, we'd run out of space. And... 
I would need to look at a multi-use space as an overflow space. Right, right. So I needed a way to get audio and video to our student ministry room or our children's rooms that weren't being used as children's rooms for a holiday so that we could just set up some chairs and have people sitting there and, and watch the gathering. Right. And that was, you know, I, I used all Yamaha components because I had just bought a CL and their CIS line was new and being able to control all those different rooms, you know, at the drop of a hat was, was huge for me. And so I, I just kind of invested mostly with Yamaha stuff out of the fact that I knew it and I knew that I needed to be able to control it all over Dante and some networking so that I could open up these rooms at the drop of a hat. Right, right. So one of the things, just the, the various needs that people have and then making it as simple as possible for people to use so they don't need a tech person. And then the challenge is that the system's being built by a tech person. So there's a lot that's very simple for me to, oh yeah, it's just this and that. But for someone who's non-technical, like completely lost, like how did you kind of work out some of those challenges as you were thinking through the these I mean, little systems? I made a lot of mistakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I you're 100% correct that you, as you're setting up a system as a tech person, you think, oh, this con- this MG mixer is going to be really easy for everyone to use. Well, yeah. you know, you come to find out that people are really afraid of knobs and, and buttons and faders. And, you know, no matter how many times you tell them, all you have to do is move the channel fader up that says video to get the yeah. DVD player to go up, you know, the volume of the DVD player to go up. They still get intimidated by it. And rightfully so, you know, I can remember back to when I was first learning, it was an intimidating place to sit. So it was a little frustrating at first, but that's what kind of helped me and and put me in this place of how can I change my thought on multi-use space to make it more efficient and less intimidating. And Yamaha has some great technologies that have come out since I've been working for them Uh that I wish I had known about back then or that were available back then. One huge one is Provision Air. You know, Provision Air is an iPad and Windows uh, application that uh, allows you, the tech person, to build a very simplified control on an iPad or like a Windows surface. And the big thing that's a benefit with that is you can make it a fader and give them one fader to control on the iPad, or you can make it a plus and minus button. So turn the volume up, turn the volume down. It's a free software for Yamaha. So you can download it, play with it, design it. And it controls pretty much all of their components that are network-based, whether it's it's the 70 volt um, CIS stuff, the MTX5, MTX3, MRX7, or the consoles, uh, CL, QL, uh, TF can all be controlled by Provision Air. So, you know, going back to the gymnatorium, I, the number of times that I had to leave the tech booth open for student ministry so they could play dodgeball, like it would pain me <laughs> to leave the church knowing that a dodgeball was going to get thrown into my tech booth because the right. doors were open to it. The garage door was up. And I, I knew something was going to come in broken. The number of times I had soda spilled on my, you know, tech booth counters because they were in there right. playing when they shouldn't have been, you know, and, and they're kids. That's what they're going to do. It's fine. You know, I, I, would I get frustrated in the moment? Yeah. But is it that big of a deal? No. Yeah. But if I could have given 
the student ministry team an iPad that said wireless one, wireless two, music, and given them an input, you know, right, right. my world would have been so much different. And just the ease of use would go way down because everyone's comfortable with an iPad. They've been out for long enough that you can right, teach right. anyone how to use them. And that's, that's one of the things that I love about the Yamaha line and, and why I ended up wanting to go work for them is just because they simplify things in ways that uh, you can have someone be comfortable on it and, and limit the access that they, that they have. So your stuff can be protected, but at the same time, people get the use that they need out of the product. Right. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, uh, I was just uh, visiting my parents who are in their early 80s and they know their way around an iPad, but like give them a mixer, they would just stare at it and be like, I, I don't know what to do with that. But right. yeah, you're right. Everybody knows how to use an iPad. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I wish I had done at the church. You know, I for children's ministry spaces, I put a mixer in every room and I used a 70 volt system. So, okay. you know, just to go in a little detail, 70 volt, it's great because you can put the amplifier and, you know, your DSP unit in a rack in some IT closet and then run uh-huh. your cable of, off your amplifier to your children's rooms and use multiple rooms off of one amplifier. You can get an eight-channel okay. amplifier. And, and that's the big benefit that I saw from it. I didn't need a, a tech booth or a tech closet in each children's room. Right. So I ended up going 70 volt for a lot of our children's spaces or converting them. We did two building projects at the church in my time there to extend because we were growing so much. Both times we added uh, children's spaces and the second time we actually added a student ministry space. And I ended up putting 70 volt systems in both of those spaces, mostly because you can distribute sound so easily. I had the same amplifier running children's spaces that was running my lobby speakers, that was running my cafe speakers, that was running my entryway speakers outside. Oh, wow. And so I had a lot of versatility out out of a single unit. And those units have been in there for, you know, six years now running all day, every day, and and have had no issues. You know, power goes out there pretty consistently. It's a little <laughs> bit a downfall of that church is is that it's it's not great on the power grid. Uh, everything's on a surge protector, but outside of that, um, in some way, shape, or form, that unit gets reset all the time, and it just pops right back up on the Dante network and starts off where it left wow. off. Okay. It's interesting because when, when I think about 70 volt systems, I'm thinking super old technology and... And sounds bad. Yeah, right. But it, that's all about the speaker choice. And I'm guessing the eight channel, well, not guessing, the eight channel uh, amplifier is Dante, you know, yep. in the Dante network. So yep. yeah, totally yeah, up to date. That's one of the things that when I got there, we had lobby speakers that were okay, but... You know, you take the cover off the 70 volt lobby speaker that looks like a big eight inch or six inch speaker and the speaker behind it's really, you know, an inch and a half, two inches. <laughs> and, you know, they didn't sound good. So I ended up switching all of our lobby speakers out with with the Yamaha 70 volt speakers just because their acoustic qualities. Yamaha prides themselves on uh, being a music company more than okay. anything else. So we make so many musical instruments and that's where our heritage comes from. That okay. when they developed the CIS line, they knew they couldn't make a cheap 70-volt speaker that didn't sound good because it wouldn't fit with the rest of the brand. Okay. And so they made they did a lot of work to make sure that could they be there for speech reinforcement? Yes, totally. But could they also be used for music and have, you know, low frequency support and 
be a comfortable sounding speaker to listen to music under. That was super important to them. Right, and right. when I did a shootout with a couple different, you know, surface mount and ceiling mount speakers, I was really impressed with the Yamaha. And that's why I went with them first. Uh, and then I ended up continuing on with them as we built these new children's ministry spaces. Right. Because I knew they'd be used for worship. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, yeah, it's at a church. You've, that's kind of a good assumption that yeah. every, any room that can have a guitar plugged in yeah, probably will. Yep, 100%. Now, a lot of these rooms, were they uh, were they low ceiling and, and that sort of thing? or So they were all uh, eight to nine foot ceilings. So okay. uh, they, were, they were decent ceiling, but, you know, I would just do... Yamaha's got a great software called Cisca that you're able to kind of put in your ceiling height your listening height, whether it's seated or standing. Okay. And it'll tell you how many speakers you need to put in each space based upon your desired SBL level. Uh I worked with a dealer at the time to to order all this equipment. But when it came to designing some of our retrofit spaces, I did most of the work myself. Okay. Uh, So I would use Cisco myself to figure out, you know, I know the room is 40 by 30. I know the ceiling is this tall. I'm going to put those dimensions in and and see what, uh, how many speakers I need. And then just to explain 70 volt a little bit, uh, each speaker has a tap inside it that allows you to change the wattage of that speaker. So whereas your your main PA system might be a 4 ohm or 8 ohm or even maybe even a 16 ohm system, that doesn't matter as much on a, on a 70 volt system. You're going to set the tap of your wattage and that's how many watts that speaker is going to consume of the amplifier. So if you've got a 250 watt uh, 70 volt amplifier and you tap each speaker at 10 watts, you can put 250 speakers <laughs> on, that, on that channel and cover that room at that same level. So you can put multiple speakers. You don't need one amplifier channel for one speaker. Right, right. So I used a fair amount of speakers in each space to distribute out the sound and just calculated out the wattage I needed to make sure that that was covered at the SPL level the the student min- or the children's ministry wanted. Sure, right. So I've been a part of a couple of distributed audio systems and they're yeah. from what we're used to again sort of going back to the main auditorium scenario, yeah. we're all kind of used to this concert sound which is, you know, two stacks or you know, line arrays or whatever from the front pushing out. But in these really smaller, in the smaller spaces with the lower ceilings, it's really hard to not destroy the ears of the people in the front row uh, and still hear anything at the back. Yep. And so the distributed really helps that. And the other thing, too, is how many speakers you need, depending on the size, you know, the height of your ceiling and the SPL and the listening height. It always felt like we needed way more than you know, it always felt like, wow, this is a lot of speakers in here. But the beauty is then you can have them be quieter. Yep. You know, because I'm closer to a speaker now, you know, than if there's just a couple in the front. That was a huge part when we moved into redoing the lobby speakers to be able to put in a few more lobby speakers and then turn the volume down. Parts of our lobby in that church are are wide open all the way up to 35 feet. And then other parts have an eight foot cap on them. So you would try and have speakers under that eight foot cap area. And they were, when I walked in, they were blasting compared to the ones that were in the 35 foot area. And so being able to take those taps and turn them down a little bit or find that, 
you know, happy medium spot, but adding a couple more, we were able to turn down that volume overall because people were just closer to them. Like you said, it's just, it makes it so it's a more enjoyable experience. You can still hear things when you're talking to each other in the lobby or when you're talking right, right. to, when you've got a bunch of screaming kids in a children's room, you can still hear everything <laughs> as they're that singing over it. Yeah, that yeah. never happens. Yeah. <laughs> Anything as you were figuring out, these multi-use spaces when you were uh, working at the church or even since you've been at Yamaha, any other considerations that, uh, that have come up? Yeah. So I kind of, I started basing all of my decisions kind of on a few points that I would always think about when I was designing a new multi-use space in, in the distributed audio world. I wanted to make sure that the tech volunteer wasn't required. So in terms of the audio or the video, or even the lighting, I wanted to make sure that someone could walk in and understand how to do that. So in some of the spaces, you know, I went from having a soundboard to having a wall controller. And I wanted to make sure that they could hit one button and turn a mic up. And that same button, if they wanted to hit another uh, button on that same panel and turn the volume up for the DVD player, they could do that as well. But I tried to make it as simple as possible that someone could walk in and look at one piece of paper, a single sheet, and know how to use the space. I also wanted to make sure that all my troubleshooting could be done over the phone. I didn't really want to have to come back in. One of the, you know, saving graces with that is, you know, on our button panels, you can do a scene recall on a wall panel. So I would have a scheduled scene recall for those rooms to reset at 6 a.m. every morning. So before anyone got into the church, every morning I knew that they would start in the same place. Okay. And then if I ever had an issue where someone called and said, hey, this isn't working, I can't figure it out, the first thing I'd ask them to go do is go hit button four. And that would recall that same scene. The big important thing with that was giving them the ability to start fresh. So yeah, the microphone volume might be at half volume. So if they talk into it and they can hear it, all right, you can hear it, but it's too quiet. Go ahead and try turning it up. So all of that troubleshooting over the phone goes from, you know, a two hour or a one hour, hey, I'm really nervous. We start in a few minutes to, oh, you just solved my problem in two minutes. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I can go back to doing what I was supposed to be doing during this prep time. Sure, right. Because I think one of the most important things that I learned through it is the the person who's coming in to run the, the, the tech side of whatever event it was, whether it's women's ministry or seniors ministry or men's ministry, they're not coming in expecting there to be problems and they're not coming in. Right. You know, as tech guys, we learn to problem solve and to know that we need to anticipate some problems happening. So, so I would always get to church earlier than I knew I needed to. Right. Some weeks it wouldn't matter. And Sundays I'd be there and I'd have an hour of time just to hang out. Uh, other times I would say, man, I'm really glad I did this because over the weekend X happened and this isn't working anymore. Right, right. And if you're coming in to try and lead a, a women's small group or you know a, a student ministry small group, you're not expecting there to be a bunch of problems. So giving them right. a, a new way to, to start over quickly is it was a huge benefit and a huge win for them. Yeah, and I think too, just the the idea of making something that's easy to troubleshoot over the phone, because yeah, you can't be at all these meetings every time they happen. Nor does the church need to be spending resources on hiring enough people to handle all these things. And so making something as simple as possible yep. uh, and functional 
And, uh, you know, on some level, okay, so a woman's Bible study, small group leader, you know, their gift is leading a small group, not the technology. Yep. That person's never going to be a, a tech person, but how do we make it simple enough that they don't have to go so far out of their lane that they're good at yep. and uh, still get it done? Yeah, for the women's ministry, you know, when they grew to 280 people, they ended up moving into our chapel space. Uh, and, and that was awesome because they filled out our chapel and that was a, you know, a CL3 console with a little Nexo PS10 system in it. And they had a hard time moving into that space because it was a step up in technology. But one of the, one of the volunteers that offered to be willing to come in and set it up every morning, she, she said, Hey, do you mind if I film you when you're teaching me how to use the console? (laughs) And I was like, I wish I had thought of that myself because I've taught, 10 people. And out of the 10 people I just taught, eight of them had some sort of issue the next time they used it that they had to call me about. And for her, she didn't have a single issue because she knew how to power the console on. She knew how to recall the scene that we had set up for her, go to the right fader layer and be ready to go. And it was a custom fader layer. So it only had the things they needed, but she filmed it all. So every time she'd come in and if she forgot a step, she'd just watch the video (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, you're, you're a genius. Like, why didn't I think of just starting to film these little things? Right, um, right. So back in the Stone Ages when I was doing it, you know, filming something was like a, an ordeal. But it was now it's like, yeah, it's like on your phone. And, and now she just got it saved on her phone, this yep. little video. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, every step of the way, turning on the amps, turning off the rack, you know, setting up video, she, she recorded everything. And realistically... <laughs> Now that provision air is such a thing in that world, I would have just given her the the file on her own personal iPad because she brought that's what she wrote notes on. She was comfortable with it. I could have right. given her the provision air file and had her connect to our Wi-Fi network, and she could have controlled those four things on the console and recalled the scene, everything just the way that she needed to, uh-huh. without needing to film as much, and and she would have even been more comfortable in that world. Right. Right. Which, you know, it's, it's just as technology evolves, you get those benefits that right. I didn't have even, you know, five years ago when I started doing this with her. But she was a pro. I, I, I asked her if she wanted to join the team. Unfortunately, she didn't. <laughs> she was very involved in women's ministries. And I support yeah, yeah. that uh, fully. But I, I tried to steal her just because she ended up getting very comfortable with it and asked yeah, the right questions so to ask. Yeah. Now, does the provisionary, are you sending up a separate network with the audio system and the iPad or is it just using the, is everything connected to the, just the network of the church? Yeah. So you can, you can do it a few different ways. So with provisionary on the CIS side, it, the network lives on the same port as the Dante port. So you would connect a wireless router to the Dante port. It has two different IP addresses, so you're not controlling the Dante side. They don't talk to each other. They're completely independent. So there's basically just two network cards inside that device. In the console, there's a whole other network port. So you'd be running a Dante network, Dante Cat5 and a network Cat5. Got it. Got it. At our church, we kind of had, uh, we had an enterprise style network where we had a Dante network that was controlled by in tandem with myself, it was controlled by our IT department. And 
they allowed us to use all of their access points throughout the facility. It was just a separate hidden network. So okay. our consoles and our CIS components and our student ministry components uh, now that they've built that other space are all on a Dante hidden network or a wireless or audio hidden network. So that shares the Dante traffic and the wireless control traffic. Okay. And then using those same access points, they've got a public Wi-Fi and they've got a, uh, they've got a staff only Wi-Fi basically. Sure. Okay. Oh, interesting. Didn't know you could do that. Yeah. So it, it's, it's super helpful in that facility because uh, you can basically walk anywhere and control your provision air from anywhere in the facility. Okay. And so the student ministry has really adapted it so that they've got kind of three new spaces and uh, they've got their main meeting space and a game space. And that game space, I guess they've got four. Their game space has, you know, pool and foosball. And they've got some Yamaha speaker DXRs overhead that's just loud music time. And then sure, they've yeah. got like a social stair area where they can sit and watch movies or hang out. And then they've got all their outdoor seating. They've got a fireplace outside and they've got Yamaha speakers outside. And they use Provision Air to control all of that and be able to send different things at different times. So if they're running from the social stair area and they've got they've brought in a DJ to to mix music up there so people can see him, they can send that to all of those spaces just with okay. the iPad and a single button hit of route this source to everywhere. Okay. And so basically the uh, technical manager of that space just walks around with his iPad before the service starts and then jumps behind the console once the gathering starts. But everything pre-gathering, turning volume up and down in their cafe and their in their outside area, he does all of that from his iPad. So Amazing. he doesn't have to jump into the DSP for the distributed audio system. He does everything right at his iPad at a click of a button and every Sunday it gets reset. So he's ready to go again for that Sunday okay. gathering. Now, does the provision error, is that use is it just uh, using Dante assignments that that it can see that you're making buttons and all that stuff to control something v- via Dante, or is it uh, some other? So yeah, it's not Dante. It's it's a it's a control protocol of the the devices. So just like okay. you know, you've got Crestron or AMX or other p- control softwares sure, yeah, yeah. that you can. You know, over IP, you can do TCIP control of these devices. Uh, Provision Air is very, very similar to that. So okay. the CIS, MTX, or MRX line, uh, they've got that network control capabilities. So do all of our consoles. Okay. So those consoles, basically, when you build a file, it's very easy. You pick the fader you want to pick, and then you click on that fader, and it says parameter. And you, once you've loaded in whatever device that you want to do and whatever unit ID that device is, you can assign that fader any parameter. So it can be a mix, it can be a channel fader, uh, and you can do the same with buttons as well. Mute buttons, on-off buttons, recall buttons. So you do it all over the TCIP control. Okay. Um, But that's, so it's not Dante. It just can live on the same network as Dante and not get in the way. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dante's just pushing the audio signal Correct. around, not not the control signal. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it it can live on the same network. It's just a a, a different function on the same network. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, any uh, any last uh, words on multi-use space? 
Yeah, so I think you know the thing that I that hit me hardest when I started looking at these multi-use spaces and distributed audio for sure, it was something I wasn't familiar with. So it was a little intimidating to go to. Okay, what is a seventy volt system? How can I use it? Is it is it right for me? Um, and one of the benefits I had through that is I worked with a great dealer, but also I worked with Yamaha directly on that. So I ended up getting in contact with a couple of the guys that are still on staff now. Uh, and talking to them about what I'm trying to do, what I'm doing. And, and they really helped me troubleshoot through how to design my system and what would work best okay. and, ha- and how I could do it. And that's still something that we, that we offer today. Uh, design support is something that, that's really important for us. So if, you, if, if you're a church that's, that's listening and, and you're looking for, um, yeah, I've, I've got these spaces and I'm constantly bringing a portable PA system in and it's never working right or you're having issues, you know, we can connect you with great dealers that will support you in that, but also we can provide support ourselves and answer questions. Okay. It's one of the reasons why we love coming to Philo is, is to be able to answer those questions uh, this year was a little different, but face to face and <laughs> and providing you know insight on on how you might want to do something differently. We've got subject matter experts that are fantastic on this stuff. So, yeah, we're we're here to help. Yamaha loves helping the worship world, and we see it as a huge uh, market for us to to take care of. We've got a lot of guys that spend Sunday either teaching Sunday school or running sound on Sundays that are on our staff, and so it's it's important for a lot of us that work for Yamaha. Yeah. And I would say just from my standpoint, and even if I go back into, you know, kind of what we were doing before Philo, Yamaha has been a huge part of that story. But then if I go to my place as a TD of a local church, I mean, Yamaha and the equipment they have is so useful and beneficial to how we use the gear. And I mean, as we were talking about earlier with the Willow 40th anniversary, like super helpful and knowledgeable and want to help us do good work and just love your heart for the Philo audience. So thanks for making time to spend with us and good to hang out with you, Trace. Yeah, it was great to hang out with you. I love sharing my heart on this stuff. It's something I'm pretty passionate about for the church world and Yamaha products in general. So any way I can help you guys, we're, we're happy to do it. Thanks for having us. Man, it was real fun catching up with Trace. Uh, We usually get to hang out a little at the Philo Conference, but as many of you know, that wasn't exactly the same this year. I liked his ideas around multi-use spaces. While I normally don't think of 70-volt systems as the sexiest audio solution, for so many of our smaller rooms, it's exactly the right idea, and I think Yamaha had some great solutions. Also, trying to simplify something so that a non-technical person can figure it out is an art form. And if you're designing a system for a non-tech person to use, make sure you find some non-tech people to look over your ideas to make sure they actually make sense. You know, you and I have what's called the curse of knowledge. And so what seems easy to us is really a mystery to someone else. Thanks to not only Yamaha and all of our amazing sponsors, really Philo could not happen without these people, these companies who care about you as technical artists in the local church. You know what, many of them, like Trace, used to be in your shoes, so they totally get us and the challenges we deal with week to week. We've got a few more podcasts scheduled with some of our sponsors coming up, and there will be some good content there, stuff that we can use to become more effective at being technical artists in the local church. 
Speaking of becoming more effective as technical artists in the local church, we are super excited to announce that we're launching Philo and Espanol. That's right, you heard it. I don't say it very well, but en Espanol, in Spanish. On August 21st and 22nd, we're going to show some of the classic Philo content with Spanish subtitles, along with some new content that's all in Spanish, as well as some new content that's in Inglés, and mostly because I don't speak Spanish that well, if you couldn't already tell that. So if you know people who speak Spanish who would really love this opportunity, whether they're a ministry of your church or people you know or countries that you help support, you can go to philo.org to see all the details. It's listed there, Philo and Espanol. We're trying this out. We're working with some great partners in the Dominican Republic and in Dallas, and we're real excited about the opportunity. So check it out, philo.org. Also, don't forget to order the Philo book. It can really help resource you and your teams to become not only better technical artists, but more importantly, better humans. So check it out on our website at philo.org slash book. All right, you can follow us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. You can always see what's happening on philo.org. And if you have any questions or comments, ideas for the podcast, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So shoot us an email at philopodcast at philo.org. And you know what? We'd love a review. So on iTunes, Spotify, whoever will receive the review for our podcast, we would love it. So it just helps us get the word out. Anyway, it's been good to be with you again. Until next time.